All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first ever Wham! Live show. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. Now, a different type of show needs a different name, so we called it Wham! Live. I know, went all out on this one. Uh, so one of those things is, as always, it is powered by Barhaven Ford, and that means, of course, there is a huge demo and used car clear out this week, July 7th, June 17th to the 19th at Barhaven Ford 555 dealership drive in Barhaven, largest inventory in Ottawa. Okay, Meth, uh, this should be a fun show because one of the things is you hate change. So we've tried to mess things <laughs> up a little bit here. Uh, the show could also end up being a giant ball of flames, basically like the Toronto Maple Leafs playoff hopes. Um, so we've, we've taken out a few things. One is the interview is, is gone, but we want to hear from you. There's gonna be lots of chats. We want you to fill out, ask questions in the chat room. Craig is in the back. I think he's eating lunch and playing Warzone. Basically, we've taken out the uh, chat or the interview and we've replaced it with what we want. We want to get guys asking us questions. So into the YouTube, you can ask us all kinds of questions if you want. And Craig is in the back. He's monitoring this thing. He is uh, also playing Warzone and eating lunch. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> anyway, let's get going here. Um, also, the top question of the day is going to be sponsored by Gong Show. We're going to hand out a Gong Show sauce off game. Matthew, ready? I'm ready. I, it seems like it's a giant ball of flames at the moment. So anyway, <laughs> uh, topic number one, and that is tonight, is <laughs> brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. The NHL is in Vegas tonight, so let's bet. Uh, go to sportsinteraction.com slash volume of thought. Here we go. The Vegas Golden Knights take on the Montreal Canadiens. It's the focus going to be in Canada, obviously. How does Montreal steal game one? How does Montreal steal game one? Well, I think everybody had Montreal written off for the last two rounds, at least I was. So at this point, when it comes to making predictions, uh, I don't know that I'm the best man for the job. <laughs> but in any case, I think if you're, if you're Montreal right now, it's very simple. They match up very well against Vegas. And I really like their defensive game. I think that's the difference between them and, and Colorado. Colorado was willing to trade chances and relying heavily on their speed and offense. Montreal doesn't play that way. They're known for their goaltending and their defensive structure. And you can expect them to play just that way, especially against Vegas. Now, Vegas, there's an argument to be made. They've got pretty darn good goaltending as well. Probably a more well-rounded decor when you're including the offensive angle to it. But if you're Montreal, it's just puck management because Vegas likes to score off the rush. 
So if you're Montreal, you have to play a boring game, almost kind of like the Islanders where you're going to sit back, wait to pounce on opportunities. You're not necessarily always going to score on the rush. You're scoring by committee. If they can get their top line, Dano, Gallagher, Lekkinen, if those guys can start contributing, and even Anderson. I mean, I'm waiting for this guy to have a breakout round. He was pretty good there earlier on, and, and I think he kind of faded in that last one. But, um, you know, that physical presence, if he can be that X factor for the team, Price continues to play really strong. We're going to have a series here. And, yeah. and at first, I thought it was going to be a cakewalk. I thought, you know, going into this, if you asked me two weeks ago, if Montreal was going to make it into the third round, how would they fare against one of these teams out from the West? I thought they'd get walked. But that's not the case now, honestly. I feel like I'm pretty confident in Montreal and what they're capable of. And defensively, if they can stay within themselves, they'll be just fine. Okay, so um, let's go with the defense of the Montreal Canadiens. We've talked about it all season long. If they get Jeff Petrie back, can they concentrate now and can they focus? Sure, sure. Well, right now, I mean, and I can speak on this just from my hand injury when I played, and I know what it's like to have to grip a stick with a broken finger. Now, from what I could see just watching the video, you could see Petrie's gloves have been manipulated where they've kind of fused a couple fingers together. That makes it incredibly challenging if you're trying to handle the puck. And never mind the pain. The pain for me is the biggest thing. Every time you handle a pass or make a pass or try to clear the puck out of the zone, whatever it is, it's going to hurt them. So what kind of player are you going to get out of Jeff Petrie right now? I don't know. Uh, it all depends on how he's feeling. The word is he's going to be playing in that first game. So, uh, you know, if he is playing, you know, where, and, and from what I understand, he is going to be playing. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but, you know, you got to be tough to be able to play through something like that. So I'm sure they're going to be injecting him. He'll be in the back room. The team doctor's going to come in. They're going to put a couple injections in his finger. It's going to numb it. But that also takes away from your ability to handle the puck. So again, that's a big loss. We saw with Montreal, or excuse me, we saw with Toronto when they lost Muzzin. It's the same scenario now where it's your top D-man. Um, they fared pretty well, though, in that last game, last round against, uh, against Winnipeg. So they can handle it. I just worry long-term through a long series, the effect of losing a top four D-man who logs 23 minutes a night, that can hurt you. Okay. There's a couple of big matchups, and obviously we'll start in goal, and that is obviously Carey Price against yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury needs four wins to move into third all-time in playoff wins. It's phenomenal. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't even know that. <laughs> who, who has the edge in gold? Does it go to Carey Price or does it go to Marc-Andre Fleury? Carey Price, there's no question, especially with the way he's playing right now. And I don't even have to think about it because Marc-Andre Fleury has been known eventually to come out with a gaff game, right? Like he's not always maybe as steady as Carey goes. I know, I know Carey Price had a bit of a tough up and down year, but from what we've seen and the way he's been playing here in this postseason, it's you can't bet against him at this point. If you're gonna, if you're talking between goaltending and who's gonna have a better performance, I mean, you got to think that that Carey Price has the edge. Flurry is incredibly capable. We all know he is. He's got a very good team in front of him. But with Montreal's defense and those that big four back there, and and being able to clear bodies out in front of Carey Price, who just looks so steady all the time and calm, he doesn't he doesn't Wait a waver from here. that. The, the Vegas Golden Knights almost finished first in the National Hockey League, right? Yeah. And now yeah. you're trying to tell me that Carey Price and the def defense of the Montreal Canadiens is better than Vegas. I don't. Defense, I, I can't fathom de de Defensively, they are. It's there's no question. They're bigger, rangier, and they've been just stronger around the net. And then uh, with the way Price has been playing, I mean, you can't listen. Vegas, I know, is much more well-rounded. I have them winning the series. I still do, uh, although. I'm starting to have my reservations based off how all these other rounds have been going. I've been pretty well wrong about everything. So if you're a smart yes. betting man, you'll bet exactly the yeah. opposite of what I'm recommending. But again, I just think when it comes to that defensive play in front of the net mixed with goaltending, I still think Montreal has the advantage, especially if Petrie's healthy. But again, you could argue it all day long. I just, right. I just like the makeup of that back end. They're, but I find Vegas just more mobile on the back end. And Shea Theodore is completely sure. underrated. They've got Alex Pietrangelo. Like, they've just got – I think they have weapons that people team to, seem to overlook because they play in Vegas, they play in the West, and they, all the East media and all that does not pay attention as much oh, to how uh, well we, they're but, built. But we pay attention to it because we know how good Vegas is. Yeah. We've been talking about them for most of the year, and we even brought up at times – questioning that north division and how really you know how are they really that good but i think at this point and bergevin had a really nice presser the other day kind of addressing that where he says 
I don't buy into all that stuff. We had to beat yeah. very good teams to get to where we are right now. And it's anybody's, you know, it's the playoffs. As we all know at the NHL level, literally anything can happen. So I'm not going to count them out. You're watching the Wham Show live brought to you by Barhaven Ford K. There is another matchup that I think is interesting in the game within the game. We like to call it Max Pacioretty <laughs> traded to Vegas. One time oh, yeah. captain played 10 years for the Montreal Canadiens. He's going back to face his old team. And the guy he's traded for, Nick Suzuki, is playing. I mean, they both have eight points. Yep. So you can go to sportsinteraction.com slash Method and bet on which one of these is going to finish with more points in the series. So whoever you're taking, I'm going to take the opposite because that's probably where it's going to play. <laughs> yeah, because you just want to argue with me. That's what you <laughs> who, want to do. Who is going to finish with the most points oh, in the man. series? I, well, okay. Stone, Stone Pacioretty, and, and Chandler Stevenson play more minutes. Not by a lot, but they do play a little bit more. And if you're going to go with them as your favorite, obviously I'm going to have to go with them as getting more points with Stone and, and Pacioretty and the chemistry that they've been showing. Even Stevenson has been playing really well. Um, I got to go with that line. I, I just think so. I know I, I've got nothing but respect for Toffoli, uh, uh, Caulfield and Suzuki. I, I think they're a fantastic line. They're dynamic and they've proven to be big game players. I only question what they're, 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 the effect they're going to have in the series, especially playing away in Vegas in front of that huge crowd. They're younger guys, maybe not necessarily as used to that, uh, that kind of pressure with a loud crowd, you know, hanging over yeah. top of you. I think that's a bit of a factor. But again, like we've seen with Caulfield and he's proved it throughout his career, he's a gamer. So I, I don't like to bet against them, but seeing as I have Vegas as my favorite to win, I'm going to go with that top line. They play more minutes in, in Stone, Pacioretty, and Stevenson. I'm going to have them uh, hanging up on top. All right, last thought on this series. Uh, remind everybody again who you, how many games you've taken Vegas in to win this <laughs> I, I don't even think I can remember. I think I had Vegas in six. Does that yeah. sound right? I'd have That's to look correct. at my bracket. It's underneath all these papers. But, yeah, I've got Vegas. I'm sticking with them. Uh, again, I'm starting to get a little nervous because deep down, I think part of me wants Montreal to win. So I'm very conflicted. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. And so I've got yeah. Vegas in five. I, I'll probably get the hate mail. It's okay. But I, I just think yeah. that they're too, they're too powerful. We'll, we'll see if uh, Montreal sure. can continue. They've won seven straight games. Haven't, they haven't trailed in seven straight games. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, but if, and I said this Wally, and I know you, you would agree if Montreal can play their weird, stingy defensive style that they've been playing, almost kind of like the Islanders to a, a degree at least, that's going to be frustrating. If you're Vegas and you can't get some, some something going, and I heard a couple comments as well, if Montreal can get that early lead, statistically speaking, I mean, they're likely to win that game. So again, I know Vegas is different. There's no familiarity between the two teams, but that's what makes it so exciting. Just so you know, I just placed a bet on Saturday that Mark Stone will win the Smythe Trophy. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how this plays out. And then now yeah. I might buy you a beer. Um, those are our bets. Go place yours at uh, sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and the thought. All right. You mentioned the Islander game. Let's take a look back now at Tampa Islanders game one in that series. It's so weird to call it the semifinal after, you know, a lifetime of calling it the conference and Wales conferences, uh, the Campbell's and Wales conferences. Right. But anyway, sure. so we're into the semifinal. Um, and Meth, I will admit, I savored this win with a whitewater beer, knowing how much you've taken Tampa over the Islanders. <laughs> I was so excited to see okay? the Islanders pull oh, out okay. this win. By the way, but go I mean, to whitewaterbeer.ca, use the Wally Mathot coupon. To Wally, okay, you're only ahead. picking you're only picking the Islanders because I picked Tampa, yep. and that you're is trying not to be true. different. No, hold on. Here, I don't know if we've had this discussion before. When I grew up. I was a Mike Bossy, New York Islander fan. Okay. I hated right. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. And I you so hated I you hated yeah. Wayne Gretzky. I did. I didn't <laughs> that appreciate might be how the good worst. it was. That might be the worst just, take. No, it gets better. So All I right. had a I was a goalie. I had a black coho goalie stick for Billy Smith, and I would hit people who came through my crease. Um yeah. okay, here we go. I named all my stuffed animals after the New York Islanders. So my big blue dog was Billy Smith. I had a baseball I mean, manager. I called him Al Arbor. Bill, Bill, Billy Smith is cool because he used to fight guys. Like some yeah. of those, you, you ever see some of his scraps where he's like shooing away demon because he wants he was, to go Lanny McDonald? It's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, no, I I, uh, I respect that. And again, for me, it's like, I think if you're like, for like most people, it's how do you bet against Tampa? I mean, obviously that first game last night was unprecedented. No one really saw that coming to a degree because we're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, but we can talk about all the reasons why I think they lost. Okay, let's first start with that four check. Like, 
You say, oh, wait, you know, you're surprised about- that they lost. The Islander forecheck was on, like, they were all over. No, 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 yeah. Tampa no, no. had no, they just couldn't if handle the pressure. If, if you're watching the game, you're not surprised. You understand yeah. how it happened. But what yeah. I'm saying is going into the series, you know, like, I think most people had Tampa as a heavy favorite only because of that winning culture they have. They sure. know how to win, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think for me, and, and it all started with that Stamkos turnover, you know, and I know we can nitpick on it a little bit. And I know it's not fair because it's one play that they happen to score on. But as a seasoned veteran, and I'm talking about the first goal scored by Barzal in the first period, and and, and Stam, Stamkos got sad after that. He didn't yes. play for like six minutes until they were on the power play in that last minute of the first period. So, you know, for me, it's like if you're the captain on a play like that, it was such a casual play that was very uncharacteristic. Well, maybe I shouldn't say uncharacteristic because he has been known to make those plays. But like the, the backhand play into the middle of the ice and then not even acknowledging it and then just going off the ice, you know, to me <laughs> – as a that's player a on the move. bench, yeah, yeah, you don't. You, that's a no-no, and and the, and so I can understand why John Cooper didn't like that, and you know, and that kind of sets up the tone for the rest of the game, if you will. When you see yeah. a captain make a play like that, you're almost waiting for him to do something about it afterwards when he gets back out there. Which is why I was a little surprised he was sat because as a player, when you make that mistake, I've been there. When you make a glaring mistake like that, you don't need to be told when you get off the ice. Quite frankly, I mean, oftentimes especially if it's costly like that one, you can get off the ice and you've already known you've made a mistake and you cannot wait to get back out there and prove yourself again. So for me, I thought that was very interesting. I'm not going to question John Cooper because he's an excellent coach. No, we are to me. So here's no, I'm going to question him. So okay. what's the benefit of sitting your captain well, that's, that's in a playoff game where who, who scored 50 because, goals in a season or whatever it is. Because it, exactly because it creates a distraction. So all the guys on the bench now notice this. They all know. Right. Hey, Stammer's not playing, you know, and, and it's not something you want, mind you, you'd like to think a veteran group wouldn't let that distract them. But for me, I didn't like the play, obviously, at first, I think you would expect better from Stamco. So it's understandable that Cooper doesn't like it. And we're hammering so much on this topic right now, that one specific play, because to me, it was a, it was very much a determining factor for the rest of the game. You know, you're sitting your captain for the last minutes of the first period, then you yeah. throw him out there because you're desperate to have a goal on the power play. And, and then, you know, the, that, that, that mutant D-man Pollock scores that clapper from the point in the second period. And all of a sudden it's two, nothing. And it's, and it, that's a goal that Vas- Vasilevsky needs to stop. Like, I know it's a hard shot, but it's a, it's a, it's a wide open point shot. So again, my takeaway from the game was, was just as you mentioned, Wally Islanders forecheck, not just that though, but their ability to just sit back that Barry Trotz defensive style where they sit back and it's so frustrating. You just, they're just waiting for you to make a mistake and then they pounce all over it. So there's some learning stuff here. And, and another really good point was they only took three minors. I think yeah. it was three minors. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's a uh, game two. plan. That, or, okay, Tampa it was, was two. one for two in the power play. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, one for two. Okay. okay. Well, in any they case. Scored, but they scored with a minute to go in that. I mean, right, it did right. create a little bit more anxiety. But, I but, but, if you, but if you're very trots, like your team did exactly what you asked of them. Stay out of the penalty box, right? right? play very good, clog the neutral zone. Don't let them get too many entries. Like Tampa struggled on their entries too, on the power plays they got, which they had was, no room. They had no room. They were being, they were being suffocated. So that's, that's, so if you're Tampa right now going into game two, you're frustrated and you're going to have to find a way to get some offense early and kind of feel good and confident again. And the Islanders, uh, 61% of faceoff trust. So they, their puck management, as we like to call it was, was off the charts, right? So can, yeah. if they can continue that, is Tampa in trouble? And I know that they're your for sure they are. The they're, they're in trouble right now. If you're looking at the numbers and just the way they played, it's this isn't like to me, this isn't like the Islanders stole this game, right? This yeah. is a situation where they they absolutely earned that win. So for like for me, your confidence right now, if you're in that group, is through the roof. Now you know, okay, we belong here. We can actually beat this team. So they're gonna be emboldened. And they're going to be going into game two with a ton of confidence. They're going to stick to their game plan because they know it works. They've seen it firsthand, obviously. They're in a really good spot. So for me, the pressure is all on Tampa. Islanders are still technically the underdog, but they're playing with almost kind of playing with house money. I don't like using that term because I'm sure they all want to win. But yeah. for me, it's, it's, all, it's all on Tampa at this point. Okay, so you get to choose between playing for the Islanders or Tampa based on who the coach is, <laughs> which coach are well, you going to choose? That's easy. I'd love to play in Tampa because it's warm. I mean, I look <laughs> at some of the tans 
some of the tens yeah. on these players, especially oh, like some of the guys that were playing for Florida, like in Fort Lauderdale, I'm so envious of that. <laughs> but but if you're looking at it purely from a neutral standpoint, forgetting about where they're playing and the tax stuff, and you just want to pick and choose, I'd play for the Islanders only because it suits my game more. I'm not. I'm. I don't have to rely on on lucky defensive plays to break up rushes because I know at least on the Islanders, my forwards are coming back and they're creating that back pressure and they're very defensively sound. So that would make me look better as a player, almost like when I played for Guy Boucher in Ottawa, where everything was just automatic. My role was simple. I knew what it was and I could apply it. Whereas in Tampa, there's a bit more free range among the forward group. And so you're going to be caught more on three on twos and two on ones, odd man rushes if you're a D-man. Did you ever play for Barry Trotz? Did you have him at the Worlds one year? No. 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 Uh, ooh, no I don't he think was, so. I, he was an assistant I, coach I went, one year, but I can't remember if you were there. I don't think so. I mean, no, I definitely did it. Okay. So I couldn't. Uh, but I know I, I played against him a ton when he was coaching in in Nashville when I yeah. was with the Blue Jackets, and his teams were always a nightmare to play against. Is this uh, one quick question? Is this almost the semifinal where coaching really matters? Where you see a difference of how? Yeah intricate everything becomes and everybody's fairly matched up pretty well that coaching and how you deploy your systems really makes a difference well you look at the parity across those four teams once you yeah. get in towards the end all the teams are fairly well balanced now in their own right of course some teams are going to be more offensively dynamic and def- you know but but i think at the end of the day it does become a chess match right so if you're you like look at the coaches that are left aside from ducharme in montreal of course, but they have a ton of great veteran leadership in that group too. And Ducharme in his own right has done a good job. But otherwise, you've got all these these Jack Adam candidates and winners that are coaching still, right? And so is that a coincidence? It could be to a degree, but I, I think it does matter because we're seeing it firsthand now. Look at the, look at the upsets that we're seeing. And a lot of that is just tactics and, and coaches, coaches structure that they've applied to their groups. I mean, the Islanders are scoring by committee, but they're playing so defensively sound that I mean, they're giving themselves an opportunity to win every game. Yep. Um, on Thursday's show, last Thursday, we said we'd make a bet on this series. And I know I'm up one nothing, but I still feel like you're pretty confident in your Tampa pick. Let's put a case of whitewater beer on it. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you want to put a, a free case of whitewater, whitewater beer on this bet? We use the 15% off coupon. It's much cheaper. <laughs> All right. Cool. Sounds okay. good. Done. Um, by the way, don't forget, keep asking your questions. Apparently... Uh, Craig has now moved on to dessert, so he is ready to start to pay attention to the show. So uh, keep continuing to send in your questions, either on hashtag Wham Live on Twitter or using the chat on YouTube. Also, uh, just a reminder, uh, the Wham Show Live is brought to you by Barhaven Ford, which has recently introduced its all-star lineup of custom builds. It's the Barhaven Ford Customs. Barhaven Ford has brought in Roush-inspired custom F-150s, Rangers, and Mustangs to the nation's capital. At Barhaven Ford, they built the truck or the Mustang, or the Ranger the way you want it, customizing each truck or Mustang to fit your individual needs. Go to barhavenford.com slash Customs and get started on a beautiful build. All right, topic number three, brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc., helping to build this show and helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. So, Neth, we talked about coaching and, and how important it is at this level. We also talk about there's a a playbook you get at the beginning of each series or you get it almost for every game, right? When you go in and have meetings and whatnot, what's in a playbook for a series that's kind of different from the regular season. How, how detailed are they? It depends. And it depends on the team you're playing for. Like I still remember playing against uh, the Red Wings back in 2009, I think it was, or I forget the year guys bad. I'm having a brain fart here, but we were, I was in Columbus playing against, basically an all-star team in Detroit. We ended up getting swept that series. But I remember still leading up to the series, uh, Hitch, Hitch gave us this long booklet with so much information in it. And, and he was very detailed in what he does. But I can still remember being very overwhelmed by it. Now, I was very young and I was a rookie, so that might be part of it. But generally speaking, it's just a, a handbook. You get every series and it's details on every player, their tendencies, where they like to score, where they're vulnerable as a group, where goalies are vulnerable. It's pretty, it's pretty insane how much info you're given. So I think it's important as a player that you just kind of, you know, you go through what really applies to you mostly. So I'm not really going to be too concerned as to where Vasilevsky's danger or vulnerable, right? I'm not a goal scorer, but I'm going to be paying attention more to, you know, where does Stamkos like to sit on that little top of the circle for the one time or positionally? What are their tendencies on the power play? Who do they like to pass to more often? 
it's pretty, it's pretty in depth and there's a lot to take in. But I think if you're a player, you really are just looking for, for vulnerabilities among the lineup. So players that are potentially injured. So maybe so-and-so has a bad shoulder. I'm going to make sure I finish my checks on him and, you know, be extra hard on so-and-so at net front. And those are little things that I'm going to look at if I'm a player, but I think at the end of the day, it's more just too much information is better than not enough. So they're going to hand you this huge book. You're kind of going to grace through it a little bit. Well, that's like right. you've done your homework yeah, and then move that. on. Kind of like the way I used to study for exams in school. Granted yeah. that never really worked out in my favor. So I think now if you're a player and you've been around long enough, you're fine. It's not a big deal. Is there like, if I were to see your old playbook, would there be a bunch of doodle marks and tic-tac-toe? <laughs> Are you kidding? Doodle dogs? marks. That would imply that I had a pen in my hand like I was doing something. <laughs> no, I mean, after that day one that we were handed the book, it probably would have, would have ended up in the backseat of the car. And, nice. and don't get me wrong. We do so many meetings as well. That yeah. entire, you know, four days prior, like from the regular season to that first round, especially, you're doing systems work on the ice. You're doing a ton of ton of video meetings to the point where you're catching yourself falling asleep almost. It's very intense. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's, you know, for the best of the team. And it usually works out. All right. Um, I quickly want to uh, bring up something that just kind of came up, and that is Dougie Hamilton from Carolina. Oh, yeah. Right, he's become a pending unrestricted free agent. He's allowed now by the Carolina Hurricanes to start shopping around and seeing what he can find out. So, what's the he's, question? He's a he's a right-handed shot, Meth. He makes five point <laughs> seven five. He's scored ten goals or more in seven straight seasons. He's twenty-seven years old. Is he the guy that's going to be next to Thomas Shabbat to start next season? <laughs> okay. There's a lot to unpack here because that's assuming that Ottawa wants to pay. I mean, probably 8 million, at least eight mil, probably seven, eight. I, I'll be generous and say the higher end is a free agency will be seven, 8 million. Is that fair? Maybe? Okay, but so or, or, let me put it to you this way. Is he worth more than Thomas Shabbat who makes 8 million? Well, it depends because when Thomas Shabbat signed his deal, I mean, we still, this is another argument that I'm sure we're going to get into, <laughs> but I still think Thomas Shabbat is underpaid. I'm going to say it. I think that Ottawa did a really good job signing him at what they signed him for because it's a, it's a rear loaded deal, um, which is ideal for the Sens. And he's, what is his average eight? It's probably around 8 million it's a year, million. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what does that look like in a couple of years? I mean, especially for a guy who's playing 30 minutes a night, like literally your team's MVP and, and potential team Canada, Olympic team Canada member on, on the back end. I mean, so if we're going to be looking at all his accolades, that $8 million number for your best player isn't terrible. So Hamilton at, as a UFA will probably make between seven and eight a year. I could be wrong, but I he's got pretty, He's got pretty darn good numbers, right? So, I mean, if you're him, that's what you're looking for. And if you're if if and if you're willing to go to Ottawa, you're not taking a haircut. You're going to want to get paid. So, uh, at the end of the day, it's you know you're going to go to a smaller market team. By the way, which I love dearly, but let's be honest, it's a small small market team that's still kind of coming out of a rebuild, if you will. Mind you, it's an exciting time for the Ottawa Senators. I don't know that Dougie Hamilton is too concerned about that and yep. where the ceiling is at. I don't think he's even thoroughly paid attention. So yeah, ideal. it's an ideal situation. If you can get an all-star player like that to play on the top pairing with Thomas Shabbat or even on the second pairing, but ideally on the top, on the right side, you've got an unbelievable first pairing, probably one of the best in the NHL. So, okay, so but can you justify paying him more I, than Thomas Shabbat? Why, why? There's nothing to justify if it's what is if if, if that's his market worth, yeah. then there's no argument. But, but it comes down, but it comes down to if Ottawa's willing to pay him that, right? Like for yeah. me, I don't know what the situation in, in Ottawa right now is as far as finances, but I mean if they're willing to pay him. And what so your concern is what? You're willing, that, you're you're scared that you're going to be paying another player more than your captain? Well, oh, now he's your captain. He's your MVP and he's your captain. Okay, sorry, um, I jumped the gun there. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I don't know that he's the captain. Sorry, I'm not trying to play. I know, I, it can, it could be playing. Brady. I'm saying so, your most valuable player. Yeah, yeah. So my point is, are you saying then that you will sign somebody else for more money if you think Thomas Shabbat is your best player or at least your best defenseman? Does I'm that not, does that bother the other? Like, does that bother Thomas Shabbat? Probably not, because it'll okay. only it'll only empower him, and he'll only have a. It's to his advantage. Imagine having a six foot five, rangy, skilled puck moving defenseman, top four D man as a D partner, as a steadying presence. Like, come on, 
I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. But again, it, none of this conversation makes a difference if the Sens don't want to pay the man, right? So yeah. who knows? It'll be interesting to see what they do. I'd like to see him. 607 career games, 341 career points. I, I mean, he plays he, 22 minutes a night or whatever it is. He's gotten better too. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. He is a good player. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's, we'll move on. That is uh, brought to you by BEI. Now, time for the Faces magazine. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of different. We're going to head off the ice here. We're going to talk some different kind of sports, if you will. And so presented by Faces magazine, check out their latest articles at facesmag.ca. Uh, first of all, there was a Euro 2021 is taking place. And so it's captivated the worldwide audience. I mean, the, the scale of watching Euro is massive. Yes. Um, who are you taking to win Euro? The, I don't even, do you even pay attention? I do. I do. And, and I played, well, a lot of people don't know is I played division one soccer for what? years. Girl, yeah. Played for the Ottawa Royals. Uh, I mean, was I, was I an incredibly game controlling midfielder? No, I was usually playing striker. <laughs> Uh, but I relied on my athletic ability and I played a lot of soccer, you know, at school as well. So I was pretty lucky to be the gifted in that sense in a lot of sports as a kid, but I've always been interested when it comes to world cup, Euro cup. Uh, I just find it interesting. I'm not a huge fan of having to deal with all the obnoxious Italian fans in Ottawa oh, come no. this time of year. <laughs> and I can say this because oh. a bunch of them are my buddies. All of no. a sudden everybody, everybody becomes Italian nationals. <laughs> And, and huge soccer fans. And, and, and it's just to the point where I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, <laughs> even guys that might be half, you know, French Canadian, half Italian, well, they immediately gravitate towards the Missouri <laughs> and not the French team. I'm going to play that game right now as well. Okay. And, and only because I have an opportunity and they happen to be the number one favorite in France. <sighs> I'm going to pick France just because, first of all, I am a bit of a fan, especially when, when Zidane played, of course, and he was the team captain before the headbutting incident. But um, <laughs> right now, they're a heavy favorite, and they've got a couple big guns. like They've got Graceman and uh, Benzema that are coming in right now. I think they just announced uh, their, two of their top players are healthy. They were injured, and they're already the favorite as it is. So I'm, I'm going to be watching that carefully. And again, not trying to hate on Italy or Preston Street, as everyone, the mm, Ottawa viewers Sounds know. like it. Yeah. But, but, but like when the flags start coming out and everyone all of a sudden becomes right off, you know, from Italy, it's like, come on, man, like just stop. Anyway. I'm going to dust off my Ferrari and get downtown. Um, <laughs> so there's a big, um, so Mark Mathaldo, um, there is a big uh, Germany, France matchup tomorrow. I guess you're going yes. to take France. 3 PM. I'll take yeah. Germany. Like Germany's <laughs> you're just doing, yeah, and they're, they're like team. top four. Yeah, I think yeah, they are. Yeah, they're really I think they're good. Top four I know- favorite or something. Yeah, it's, 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 oh God, I didn't write it down. It's France, England, and Belgium. England, Belgium, you could argue one flip one. Yeah, the other. I'm not there. sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, like it's a good tournament this year. And I love, I do, going back to what I said earlier, I love that Italy's involved. There's a lot of buzz around the team because of the ability they have to score now. So it makes it more interesting only because I'm hoping that at the end they get buried by France. But, it, <laughs> but none of that matters. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a casual when it comes to it, very much so. I'm a seasonal yeah. soccer fan, but it's exciting. It pulls people together. Everyone's in, uh, you know, like you've got teams from anywhere from Croatia to, to, to France, obviously, and everyone gets involved from Ottawa. All of a sudden, everybody comes out of the woodwork and is a fan of soccer again. But it's something to cheer for despite the times we're in. Uh, get your questions into Wham Show or sorry hashtag Wham Live. Also in the uh, YouTube chat, we're moments away from Craig uh, finishing up his meal, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, wash it down with a cold beer after. Okay, um, there was uh, Euro twenty twenty one. Obviously, started with that scary moment on the ice with the Denmark oh. uh, Christian Eriksson. It's fat. Like I was obviously shaken watching it, but th- how the That's entire weird. team wrapped around oh. and and basically protected him like you could see yeah. how well everybody adapted and the fact that you know the captain came over and started cpr right the whole, i mean I, I guess as a professional athlete watching that what's going through your mind yeah when and and yeah so that was the incident a couple of days ago where it looked like a, they were denmark was playing against finland i think i think it was finland yeah, yeah they and, lost one nothing and denmark had the ball they had possession and they were just throwing it back in from the out of bounds and erickson was sort of like running and then kind of stumbled and just literally collapsed to an unconscious state on the pitch. And uh, yeah, like, so they flip him over and you could see it on the replays because I missed it. I missed it in real time. I was just busy with the kids running around and then I had to like rewind it. 
and he's looking there like kind of lifeless and his head happened yeah. to be turned towards the camera shot and you can kind of see the doctor performing cpr and he was he was moving to that rhythm it was really it was really disturbing and yeah. so the first thing that i could think of when i was sitting with ellie my wife we were like imagine like what, what's going through his wife and kid because i know he's i think he was married and he is married and uh i can only imagine what's going through their minds like family members watching that at home right like that's yeah. Wow. So yeah, if you're a player and it happens on the field, it's, it jolts you, especially if he's unconscious. I mean, I've seen some really gruesome plays. Um, remember, um, I'm trying to remember that, that play where we had a fight. Was it Dizzy? What was Dizzy? Dizzy oh, Dave Drzinski. Remember when he got knocked out by Cole yes. Nor? Was it Cole yes. No, it was McLaren that fought. One of the guys, tough guys in Toronto, in Toronto, yes. knocked him out and his, his face smacked the ice. Like that still resonates with me now. And he was like, he was knocked out temporarily. It wasn't to the degree that we saw the other night yeah. on the, in the collapse, but just speaking on that, like it's, it's hard to continue to play after something like that happens because you're, you're out there playing a game. Right. And all of a sudden a teammate of yours who, you know, really well is unconscious yeah. and it's disturbing, especially when you're watching it happen off a fight. To me, that's more disturbing, but in any case, you know, I, they did a really good job, though. They, they suspended the game that we saw the other night against Denmark and, and Finland in the, in, the, in the soccer match. They suspended the game. They finally come back out when he came to, when Erickson came to, and it just it just goes on. But, you know, like, how you bounce back from something like that is really difficult. I never watched a second of the replay. I didn't want to see one second of it. Like, you're just – you're almost yeah. frozen. No, nah, I know. It's – it's like, I can't imagine if you – like, your wife or anybody else – uh, as a family member, like, is there a, you can't prepare a family member to watch that. No. You can't prepare like to watch any of those, kind, even the John Tavares, any of that stuff. Like that's the stuff that you always kind of, you forget outside of the family. Like you're sending well, it on Twitter, you're posting it everywhere. Yeah. There's like family members that are deeply affected by all this. Yeah. And the Tavares thing is a really good example. Cause remember those friggin' story, the, the, the pictures, the headlines, uh, the, yeah. the headlines the next day. And it was yeah. like a disturbing shot of him with the eyes rolling at the back of his head. Yeah. And I can just think like his wife obviously sees that because every person in the world is bringing it up to you in conversation that day, right? Like, Hey, did you see this? And you know, and it's hard to distance yourself from that yep. information. So that's one of the brutal parts of kind of being in the public eye like that is that there's no really escaping it. It's just how you manage it after the fact. And you get used to it, but there's nothing that can prepare your family members for stuff like that. It's just the way no. it is. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some happier thoughts, shall we? And uh, something I thought of the other day, it is summer. We're now getting vaccinated. People are planning vacations. So I started yeah. thinking... Where does the Mark Mathot family, when you were a kid, where's so, Dad Mathot taking the family on a vacation with your brother Dad, Matt? Dad Mathot ain't going anywhere. You can't pay me. <laughs> you can't pay me money to go somewhere as a family right now. Well, I only say that because my kids are so young that it's yeah. just more work. You know, yeah. once they get like my for like for those listening, before everyone thinks I'm like the Grinch, my kid, my son is three and a half, and my daughter's turning two in in September. So you know, I don't want to take them anywhere and have to deal with that. It's too much work right now. So, but if, but if I could go anywhere, like alone with my wife for a few days, uh, you know, anywhere where that involves a beach, I'm a beach guy. I like the white sand. I like the salt, the salt water heels. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not I going see you at Moody me. Bay. Yeah. Uh, no. Moody's Bay. Yeah. Moody's Bay. Are you nuts? Between, <laughs> between the, the high levels of E. coli in the water, like why would anyone go there? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's a nice place to have in Ottawa. Don't get me like wrong, but don't swim there. But it's yeah. but it's it's cruel because I used to do the whole beach volleyball tournaments all the time. I used to have a team in there because I lived across right. the street in my yeah. last house. And but like you're sweating all day, like you're exhausted. All you want to do is cool down, and it's cruel because you're looking at the beach, the water. And you know, if you touch it with your foot, you're going to grow some weird oh, mutant fungus on your foot. Like it's, it's dangerous. So, you know, it's nice to have as a, as a jewel in auto, if you want to call it a jewel, but I mean, you can't even go in the water. It's disgusting. Please tweet at Mark and not at me, please. Uh, there has been no incidents of I'm anybody with that. a fungus I on their foot. That has gone to Mooney's hey, Bay listen, in water. If, if there's anybody that can speak on Mooney's Bay, it's me. I grew up there. That is my hood. You know, I grew up in that area. And so, and all my friends were there. We used to go to Mooney's all the time, but I can tell you this, we never went in the water. 
<laughs> we're usually going to Terry Fox or Moody's Aww. Bay Hill, where my dad would make me and my brother run up and down the hills training, but we would never go in the water. Okay. Well, as, as per usual, you ignored my first question. And that is where would your dad take your family? And when you were a kid, like what was your my dad wouldn't take family? us anywhere. Come on. My dad, on no, my dad, my dad, well, my dad came one time with us. We went to Mexico and I was like, think I was, I would have been like 12, but okay. the only other like destination vacation that I've ever gone to, which I still remember aside from the, the, the Mexico one would have been uh, Disney world with my mom and sure. my aunt, my mom's sister. And we went to Disney world. Loved it. My brother and I, my brother was eight. I was 10. Perfect, perfect age. Cause we remember everything. Yep. Parents get so hung up on bringing their kids places when they're like four, no. three or five no, years stupid. old. Like, it's dumb. You don't remember no. a thing. Like no. you remember nothing. You've just no. created work for your yes. parents. And like, you've wait got till a miserable child at, least... at seven o'clock at night who's tired and wants to go to bed because they've mean. been there since 6am waiting in lines. Exactly. <laughs> So we can agree, oh, Wally, you and I are on the same wavelength. It's so true. And, and again, credit to parents that want to do it. Good for you. Good for you having all that patience. But for me, it's like, I debate even going to my cottage. Like, We've got a cottage outside of Ottawa. I still haven't gone there because it's like, all it is, is me sitting inside the cottage like this, <laughs> hands on my knees, looking out the window, salivating, knowing that my boat and fishing rods are at the end of the dock, but I can't use them. You know what I mean? So it's like, what's the point? Just wait till can't my kids get, a get older jacket? and then I'll start going. Yeah, no, I can take them out now. I'm obviously being dramatic. I'm just yeah. saying that usually taking your kids away when they're very young is usually more work. I think we can all agree on that. I'll, uh, I'll wait for the invite to the cottage. The, uh, when <laughs> Don't I hold your kid, breath. <laughs> I know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling I'm this joking. a lot. So um, yeah. when I was, uh, I want to say six years old, grade one, and there's four kids in the Wallace household. I was the youngest. We took uh, six weeks and drove to Florida and drove back and stayed in the same hotel in Florida for 29 days. It was like, what? Yeah. I can't imagine what that would cost in today's world, but I had to take homework with me. I remember doing homework while we we're in this hotel room. Wait, how old was the youngest? Me. I was uh, six, six to uh, 11. Okay. Okay. That's not, that's actually, that's like, I would be yeah. comfortable with it. Mind you, that's incredibly yeah. long, but, but like once, yeah. Okay. Right on. Well, yeah, so, I'm sure you remember it as a good time. Oh, I remember it. Well, here's what I, here's what I remember. And I shouldn't even bring this up. Well, it was on international drive. I think the hotel you would drive down and there would be like a strip club, but it was called the booby trap. And it was a shape <laughs> of, of two boobs. And I was like, this is wild. I'll never, I, I, that was the and, one but thing it's, I but you remember from this. But story. you remember it, right? Yeah. I know, I, yeah. Those like yeah. those forbidden places as kids, right? You're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what goes on in there. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's so funny. Why are they shit? Yeah, I didn't know yeah. what it was at the time. Anyway, good for you. Good for um, you. All right, now that I've completely done that, let's bring in uh, Craig and save me from this uh, disaster. Craig, come on in. Boys, what's happening? The booby trap. Look at this. This is why we do. This is why we do the live shows. Because I wouldn't uh, have heard that story otherwise. No, oh, man. probably yeah. shouldn't have told it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Man, I, I feel you on those young kid trips, though, man. You can't take, don't take little kids anywhere. We took, we took a no. baby to Disney. Like, it was my, my kids were a little older, so they enjoyed it. But we took one of our kids, the youngest, he was like a baby at Disney World. He had no recollection of what happened. It was so much more work. Just yeah. pick the right ages. Pick the right ages, book your trip and go. I think we're getting closer to a good one here. Now, anyways, boys, we got a ton of questions coming from the chat today. Uh, oh, boy. I can only imagine. Okay, how much hate is there right now before meth? For the whole Italian thing. He caught a little for that. You caught a little bit for the I hate Wayne Gretzky story you decided to tell. Uh, <laughs> but you had that, like, it was Mike Bossy versus Wayne Gretzky. Like, they're two predominant goal scorers. And so they would Wally, fight each other out Wally. in the cup final. Yeah, I wanted stop. the Islanders to win. I'm, that's stop. fine. I think just, like, in retrospect, that's, like, a very childlike thought. Hey, I hate Wayne Gretzky. There's my signed Wayne Gretzky photo. I don't have a Mike Bossy photo, okay? That's okay. Ugh, whatever. That's okay. Anyways, Fine. you caught a little for that. Uh, there was uh, some people of, the, of Italian descent that yeah didn't appreciate <laughs> being lumped you in with go out there. Today, but we, yeah. bring it on. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> well, uh, someone with a very Italian last name. Let's just get into some of these uh, questions oh, no. here. Yeah, here uh, there's go. a whole bunch. Uh, I'm going to pick one as my favorite, but we're not going to do that one yet. I, at first, I'm just going to ramble through just uh, some of these good ones that I like. You know what, Matt? We were actually getting a lot of uh, war zone questions. And I don't need a, I don't need to ask all of them, but I'm going to ask one. And sure. it's just, who would your dream squad be playing in Warzone? 
my dream squad is in like teammates that yeah you can pick you can pick three players three like teammates to join you of any whatever they can be pros they can be your friends they can be other nhl players they can be our dear friend brent wallace who's never played it before whatever whatever you (laughs) want i'm gonna go with i can't like i if i pick some random people it would just be awkward right because it's online gaming for those that are listening that don't know what we're talking about you wear a headset you got a microphone and you're interacting with three other players at the same time and you're doing tasks i would just pick three of my close friends that i play with that's it i mean I'm, i'm it's boring but it's i know their tendencies and we're all in sync no, I think that's a good answer too, right? Because, I mean, it, it sounds like you you play Warzone to hang out with your friends, just like kind of what Mika talked about too, right? Like, social. Yeah, yeah, it's the social aspect of it. So, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, okay, yeah. which one do I want to do next here? Uh, okay, Brent, this one this one's for you here. Um, someone was asking if there was any NHLers that used to kind of keep you entertained in media scrums. Like, who would you say oh, yeah. was the like funniest kind of jokey uh, media scrum guy that you've covered? It's usually always the tough guys. Uh, so like Andre Waugh way back or Chris Neal was really good. Martin Havlat actually was very entertaining uh, when we do scrums. Mark Borvietsky was another guy. They were just loose, right? So they weren't always so worried about what they were saying and they weren't programmed. Um, there's been a few, like along the way there's, but I will say the tough guys are always. It's funny. The Wally, the list. Hey, they're all yeah. just the tough guys. And you could speak on this more than I can. They always end up doing broadcasting. You ever look at like the yeah. color guys that work for teams they're always tough guys or like tough guys and goalies of players yeah Yeah, it's crazy i anyway so i asked i actually i talked to ron tugman about that years ago when uh like there was you know i mean kelly rudy and there was glenn healy and there's been john davidson and so many goalies i'm like why is it goalies make good commentators And he's like because the way they see the game they watch it unfold all the time on the ice in their Uh, one particular spot and so that's what was always how it was put to me is how well they saw the game because they were on the ice watching it for 60 minutes that way. Brent, yeah, our, our, our mutual fan, uh, friend, uh, Sam Sisterello once explained to me that, that the reason that the uh, tough guys and those, they do so well at the media stuff yeah. is, uh, is because they work so hard, right? Like those are the hardworking guys. Like they got to the NHL through hard work, not skill, yep. right? Like yep. you're not going to convince uh, a multimillionaire who doesn't need to get up at six in the morning to catch a flight to go cover a game. Like that's not in their DNA. Right. But these tough guys that have worked for everything, like they, they put the work in on the media side too. I remember Sam explaining that to me and it kind of clicked, but that's why. Two of them, I will say two of the most entertaining stars were definitely uh, Yarmir Yager and uh, Dominic Hasek. And I, I don't know if it's what's with the checks along with Martin Havlat and why, but, they're an entertaining group to be with. And, and the characters. Swedes are entertaining good, but yeah. There are characters. But, like the, the, the Swedes, the Swedes are usually drier, a little yes. more like reserved. And and the Czech guys are usually much more relaxed. They like to drink beer. They like to have fun. They're laughing all the time, like amongst themselves in the room. But that's that's a takeaway I could relate to for sure. Yarko Rutu, another guy. Uh, always entertaining, by the way. We got to get, he's a guy I think we got to get on the show at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I always love that guy. Uh, okay. Uh, that question came from Jake Olive, by the way. I forgot to say that. Uh, this one, I hope I'm getting the name right. Woods Goods. Oh, I wonder who that could be. Wally, what's your favorite media meal on the road? Like, I mean, <laughs> oh. I love that question because there's been, there's some really good ones. I didn't travel yeah. a whole lot, but as a media guy, you, I'm sure oh. you saw Adam Woods slide into a table and put okay. a bunch of food in his face. Who's the, where's the best media meal in the league? So it depends if it's regular season or if it's the playoffs, but we'll go regular season for right now. And Detroit is phenomenal. One it's owned by little Caesars. So there's always lots of pizza. They have a great Sunday machine. You can put the sparkles on if you want. Um, Yeah. They got salads. Uh, Then they've got all kinds of, um, they used to have like a beef guy. They've got a chef there to slice up some, I don't know Mm. if it's pork or whatever, but if it's the playoffs and it's cup final, it is another world. And I will say like in Boston, two years ago or three years ago, whatever was in their cup final, they had like seafood day where it's lobster and they'll have oysters. They'll have corn. Uh, they've got all kinds of crab legs. Like there's a, just a bu- buffet of seafood. It's the, the playoffs is where you want to be when it comes to me- media meals. No question. And Boston was by far one of the best. Okay. I like it. How would you, in, in, I, oh, I will add, sorry, one to, in yeah, LA, an off day cup final, they brought in food trucks to the practice facility and there was like three food trucks. You just walk up and order whatever you wanted. And so uh, I, I was probably doing poutine, but there was, there was the, that was one of those great days. You're like, yeah, there's like the food trucks here are fantastic. Anyway. 
where would you, uh, not to throw them under the bus or anything, where would you slot Ottawa's media mail in to the mix? If it was the standings, would they be uh, top third, middle third, bottom third? Like, where do you think? Bottom third, for yeah, sure. But part of the problem is you eat, you it, eat it 41 times a year. Yep. And so there's a rotation, right? But it, it, it got a lot better, I will say, one time. I think it was Roy Malacker came in, uh, former president. Or was it Cyril Leader? It's one of those names, like, this has to change. And it got changed and it became a lot better. But it was known as one of the... Yeah, it wasn't the struggling best, but franchises yeah. in the uh, league. Yeah, not yeah, not 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 that's uh, crown jewel, but uh, that's no. okay. Okay, uh, all right, I got another one here. Uh, this one is coming from Graham Wise. Meth, it's obviously I think a little more for you here, and it's uh, how do you communicate with a D partner that doesn't really speak much English? I know I know Zub is a guy, right? That like we've kind of talked about and we've it's heard hard. players talk about. When I when I played, a good example of how hard it could be when there's a language barrier would have been when I played in Syracuse. And uh, I had a partner, I think it was Andre Plekhanov, I think that was the player on D. And we were in Syracuse in pregame skate. And I was our best at the time. And then nothing to brag about because it's in the American League. But I, I think I was our top D at the time. It was my second year in the A. And so they had me as a project, working with a project rather in Plekhanov. And Zenon Konopka was our team captain. And uh, I can still remember the one pregame skate where I think I was getting frustrated that Plex wasn't like responding well with me. Like there's just, we had no chemistry like whatsoever. And, and it was affecting my game at this point. And I'm like, you know, that my goal wasn't to play in the A, my goal is to play in the NHL. So I'm very competitive, like trying to be the best player in practice every time. And Plex was getting in my way of doing that. And I still remember Z Kanopka coming up to me and he was pissed. He was not, he was mad because I was like, you could tell my body language was, was not good with Plakanov. So in front of everybody while we were doing line rushes, Kanopka and I grab each other like we're going to fight. <laughs> Obviously, mostly this is Kanopka that's engaging with me because I'm like, I'm not fighting Kanopka. Like you look at him, he's a he's terrifying. Right. And I'm a young player. I was like 20, I think, or 21. And uh, we're going back and forth about it, like yelling, like and I'm telling him like and there's a lot of swearing. And but I respected him for doing that because he's just doing his job. He's a captain. He's trying to make right. sure everyone's getting along. But. And, and that really doesn't go any weather than Plekanov eventually goes back to Russia and then I end up playing in the NHL. But, but, but that's the challenge. And then I ended up getting, but I that, that stuck with me because obviously I'm talking about it still now. So then I end up going to, to Columbus and I get a, a defenseman in Fetter Tutin. He was a very good defenseman that came from New York. We signed him in Columbus. He could speak more English, whereas Plakanov could not speak a lick of it. Yeah. But I learned from that experience with Plakanov, like, don't get angry. Don't get upset. Just, just be patient. As hard as it can be, be patient. So I ended up playing with Toots in, uh, in Columbus, and it worked out really well. So that was a really good learning experience. But the language barrier absolutely affects your chemistry as a D partner or a line mate if you're playing forward because – communication is everything on the ice when you're calling for d2d passes loose pucks calling out pressure uh so again you learn from it and sometimes you just got to deal with that with that hand it's not fun okay that's a good answer um okay this one uh this one's for both of you guys this one comes from blaze in the chat uh and they're asking who would win in a fight 100 duck sized brent wallace's or one normal sized mark Mathot. So wait, uh, 100. Wait, I don't understand. 100 so duck sized Brent Wallace's. So they're all about a foot tall. And we got one regular size Mark Mathot. Who's going to take? <laughs> Will you be overwhelmed obviously, by the rush uh, of Brent Yeah. Wallaces? I mean, obviously, obviously, 100 Wallies coming at me. I mean, I won't be able to. What are we Duck size. I, duck size. I can, only, I, can, I can only punt so many of them at the same time <laughs> before it's overwhelming. It's like a horde of zombies just eventually kind of overwhelming you. So yeah, I, I, I get the extra Wally. A hundred, you could a uh, twenty duck size wallies would be hard. Like, is what if he's biting at my ankles? Then what do I do? I don't know. Kick. I. You just gotta punch. You just have to keep punting. Just yeah, no. maybe. I don't know. He would be overwhelmed, and unlike the way the he tenacity. plays the game, he wouldn't be able just to dump the puck <laughs> off the glass and get out. He would just be pinned in the corner. <laughs> all right. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. All right. I like that one. Um. Oh, here, here's a here's a good one. Uh, Matt, this one's probably a little more for you as well. And it's kind of a memory lane question. They were out watching the Owls game yesterday, and they were wondering what the locker room was like after Pajot's four goal game against the Rangers in the playoffs. Like, what what is what is the atmosphere like in the room after a yeah. guy does something like that in the playoffs? You're excited. You're beyond excited for him. But I think I'll be honest with you. 
all you're really pumped about is the win. I mean, yeah. obviously, and any individual accolade is great. And Peugeot is like one of the most likable teammates you could have, which if anything further reinforces my point in that I don't think you care. You don't care if someone scored six goals. It's like you got the win. You're already focused on your recovery in that moment. So as soon as the game ends, all you care about is, okay, I got to start flushing my legs. I got to maybe get a workout in if I didn't play a lot. I got to drink a lot of fluids, electrolytes, get a shake in, eat properly, sleep. Like you're so distracted uh, self, you know, in your own selfish little uh, things that you have to do to prepare for that next game that you're not really concerned so much. But again, obviously it was great. The fans loved it. And, and Peugeot was a terrific teammate to have. But yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, you're only focused on yourself and what you need to do to prepare for that next game. That was a weird one. Just just happy? Happy? I was just going to say it's an afternoon game, right? Like that does that like that must have been a weird you guys had a couple of those like oh big overtime I loved, wins in afternoon. I loved afternoon games because you okay. don't have to worry about pregame skate. There's nothing yeah. worse. <laughs> Believe I, me. I hear you. Yeah. The NHL and it's starting to evolve. But like, especially when I came in the league, like we're doing these damn pregame skates and then, you know, you're going out there and it's like a full practice, maybe cut 15 minutes shorter than a regular one, but you're going for 45 minutes, like really hard mm. for the most part, doing drills at full speed. If you're not crisp, the coach is slamming a stick on the glass. <laughs> and all I could think is the NBA does this. It's called a shoot around. And it's like the most relaxed situation you can have. But in the NHL, it's like, I need to figure out how to recover for the game now after this pregame skate. It's very old school. They brought in pregame skates because the old school guys were drinking the night before. And so now it's like, okay, I can understand skating a little bit, but let's get away from that and focus on being energetic for the game. And there's so much put into those skates. I think, again, I think it's getting better now. But when I was still playing, I mean, there's times where it was puzzling for me. I'm like, why are we doing this? Anyway, that's just my opinion, though. Brad, what were you going to jump in and say? We were talking about the Peugeot. I was just going to say that Peugeot, uh, when you score four goals, takes all the pressure off post-game media-wise. You know yeah. you don't have to come out as Yeah, true. <laughs> really they're not, they're not asking for Mark Mathot that day. No, <laughs> no. Unless I, got a, unless I got a goal or an assist. You pump, have, or you got to come I, pump his tires. Yeah. It's funny. I could have a dog shit game, but if I scored in that game, uh, you know, all of a sudden media <laughs> wants to talk to you. It's like that's – and then I could have a lights-out defensive game where I'm laying guys out and playing yeah. really well. Nobody even knows you played that night. So it's sort of the uh, the downfall of being a stay-at-home D-man, but it's part of the game. Okay, I got one for all three of us here, and then we're going to do question of the day, and we're going to start wrapping this up because people got to get – people got to get it to their yeah. lives, back to their lives sure. here. Okay, this is for all three of us. People want to know what our favorite – our favorite cheat snack is across the board. We ask everybody else – Boys, oh, yeah. what's, what's your favorite cheese snack? Is it still the uh, cheese curds and oil and salt and it's still a little bit of that? I'll, I'll answer this really quickly and then I'll let you guys take it. Yeah. For me, it's simple. It's either melted cheese curds with a little oil and salt. I still do it to this day. Like I yeah. did it last night. So that wasn't a lie. I do that a lot. And then if I'm not doing that, or on some nights I'll have on top of that a little bowl of Raisin Bran cereal. I buy Raisin Bran cereal religiously. I always have some stocked up. Uh, and I'll usually eat that around like eight o'clock at night. I don't know how that falls under cheat snack, but okay, fine. I guess it's got sugar on it. That's why I look the way I look, Wally. Uh, what are you saying, Matt? I'm saying I take care of myself. My body's a temple. I take care of it. Even so I, I, because I, I'm not a temple, um, more of a tent, is um, <laughs> I, I like chips, uh, pretty much all kinds. But hickory sticks are probably... Probably number one. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I'm on a bit of a, I mean, it's summer coming up right now, right? So I'm actually, my cheat snacks are kind of moving over towards some of my drinks these days. I'm starting to drink nicer drinks. A little Lovely. more. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say nicer drinks, boys, I'm not talking, I'm still, I still dump diet Pepsi into it like an idiot. So, but yeah, I'm starting to pay a little more for some of the, the premium uh, rums and I'm mixing some summery things with frescas. And I'm, I, so yeah, I would say my cheat snacks have moved a little bit more. I stopped drinking for a while during the pandemic. So now it's like a treat again. It used to be like, Hey, it's, it's after six o'clock. Now it's like, Oh, it's Saturday. It's nice. I would make a nice little drink for yourself. But uh, the other thing, it's not a cheat snack, but I've st I, I put a big uh, emphasis on making photo quality sandwiches for lunch. <laughs> Makes me feel better about myself. I guess. I don't know. Like I want to take, I want a nice Turkey bacon, tomatoes on good bread. When you start there's doing nothing, that stuff, it helps. There's helps nothing you. better than, yeah, I, Craig, I got to give you that one. Mm -hmm. A nice sandwich with all the fixings. It's one of the best things like for lunch, at least I can appreciate that. Good for absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a photo quality 
sandwich. It's not a great All cheat right. snack, but I would say I'm cheating a little more there. Okay, question oh, of the day coming up. This comes from uh, Bring Back Lee. And he he's asking uh, Mark Mathop, but I, I think Brett can answer this one too. Um, do, you, do you prefer, would you prefer the new arena downtown or being in the suburbs? And more so, uh, what do you think helps create uh an environment that will attract more free agents like does the suburbs like does that matter like when you're because i know matthew talks about it a lot you talk about weather we talk about taxes we talk about but is arena location as a player would that be a big factor for you like trying to land in a spot i mean it helps if you have a brand new facility yeah Yeah. i mean forget about all the little things the arena should be downtown i'm just gonna say it Mm -hmm. um i mean it, it bolsters all the businesses down there um, it's what attracts free agents when they come in. Just, I mean, which I know is not a huge uh, reason to build a brand new arena just for free agents, but that's one of the things that it does is as a player, as an away team coming in, you're staying downtown. It's great for all the restaurants downtown as well. People are going from work to happy hour to the arena. Uh, you're going to have your light transit down there as well now. So access to and from, uh, you know, maybe the south end of Ottawa or out west mm. in Canada, it's going to be a lot easier now. And you can plan ahead for that. If you know you're going to a game that night, you can maybe take the bus or the, the light rail downtown, have a couple pops after work. You're, 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 you're excited for the game. You know, you're not worried about traffic with the one on and off ramp to get to and from Canada. Like that's a nightmare. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, and I, that, that's me from a, a selfish, personal Ottawa resident standpoint, right? Like yeah. me being an Ottawa Senators fan and living in the area. I mean, for me, I, I would love even as a player to play downtown it, it, it there's, and, and then you're getting all the fan base coming from across from Gatineau, from the other side of the river, they're going to be more, uh, you know, maybe um, inclined to come to the game and watch a hockey game. So uh, to me, it's, I mean, I can't believe this is even a discussion. It's not or a point of contention. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I was, I like that it's, question. Cause it gets us talking about it again. And it's something I don't yeah. want. I just don't want it to slide off the to-do list. Right. Like that's a, Man, no, they need it done. It needs to get yeah. done now. It's not getting it's, done. Like, why is this? It's not getting done. Well, we got to keep talking it's, about it. It's mine. It's, and again, I'm, I, it's not I don't getting burn done. Any bridges here. Unless you give the owner a free arena, it's not getting done. It's the end of the story. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wa- we can talk. Well, Wally just said, we can yeah. talk about it all we want, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, what makes sense. It comes down to what they decide to do with the team and where they want to move it, and it is what it is. So yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm, I think I agree with you guys. Is there any benefit for it being not downtown? Like, what are like? Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess, get home. I could get yeah, home in ten I, minutes. Yeah, I, yeah. I could see the ring from my old place. Like, that was amazing. But uh, it doesn't make any sense. No. I mean, when you're okay. when you're okay, let me. I just want to just finish it with this. Yep. When you're coming into Ottawa in January or February or whatever in those cold months, and you're in a way on the away team taking the bus from the airport to the Brook Street Hotel, which is a nice hotel, but it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing to do out there. Yeah. When you're driving out there as a fan in the snow and you're going down the 417 and there's farmer fields and a Cabela's and whatever, it's like, huh, like it just sucks the life out of you, I think, you know? And, and so imagine the arena being downtown, like almost every other NHL city yeah. and being able to go to a bar or a restaurant or whatever, and then it's just like a different experience altogether. Anyway, yeah. again, we're stating the obvious. I yeah. feel like yep. everybody knows this. So yeah, I just want to kind of poke, poke the embers a little, poke the embers a little bit more here. Yeah, we should, yeah, we, we could get sure. we should get Cyril on sometime and have him tell the story. He told, he told me He'd the story behind, like he told me the story why it's out here, and it's like, oh, okay, like it's not this crazy. Idea. Oh no, like, it makes sense. It makes no, sense at the time. It's just now. It's like, what's the next? I think we're yeah. just we're stuck and this, in this one building. It's this isn't us criticizing the no. fact that they were out there when they got out there. It made perfect yeah. sense and it worked. But I think there are so many opportunities now, right? Yeah. Like, and it's not just LeBrett and Flats. You got they've they've even talked about Herdman. Like, there's a big area yeah. there, and that's also a big tr- high transit area. Like, it's just anyway. Again, I'm not a business guy, and I'm yeah. not. I don't know though the ins and outs. But to me. At first glance, from a fan standpoint, I think we could all agree that it makes sense to move it downtown. Okay. Well, bring back Lee asked that question. He, that was our question. Good question. Today. Good so, yes, question. that was a great question. We got to yell about the arena a little bit more, which I think is always fun. Uh, so you scored yourself a gong show sauce off game, uh, courtesy of gongshow.com. We're going to figure out how to get that to you. Don't worry. Um, but you know what? We actually have something else to give away from our last show, the one we did with um, Thomas Shabbat. First off, that was a great show. That was one of my favorite ones you guys did, I think, was that where else are you going to get a 45-minute Thomas Shabbat interview? 
I'm listening. It's not out there. So I yeah. thought it was great. We pulled we pulled one of those, and um, you're going to score yourself uh, a round of golf with power cards, Edgewood links. Uh, if you were able to answer this incredibly difficult question, which is, which teammate would Thomas Shabbat, Shabbat kick out of the car first if he was on a road trip? Uh, I think it was with Colin White and Nick Paul. The answer, Colin White. I think that was uh, that was that's a pretty obvious one. Shout out to everyone who got it, but especially at. Doug Crosby on Twitter. Doug, watch your DMs. We're going to slide in there and figure out how to get you these Edgewood uh, rounds and power carts and hope you have a blast out there. So shout out to everyone uh, who answered that one. And uh, man, live show, boys. That was fun. Yeah. Well, before you go, I got one last thing. Okay. So I went and got some bone sauce sauce, red alert. Now, I don't have the super hot final, but I'm going to try this because I've never tried it. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. So I want to do it at the end of the show. Because I don't, don't know if I'll be, a, be able to breathe. Don't be a chicken. I want yeah, a wait. good amount here. Let me Does see. Oh, uh, you know oh, what though? No, listen. Okay. okay. I put wait. that on my eggs every morning, Wally. That is nothing. <sighs> a little more. Just give me a little one more little dab there. It's yeah, dripping yeah, yeah. everywhere. Let's see it. Show us. Show okay. us. I want to see this. I don't know if I can show the camera. See that? Oh wait. Right in there. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. it. Okay, right. okay. Eat it. All right. Anyway. It's not bad. It's not bad. That now do your reads. Now do your reads. That's your job now. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Give them give them a couple more seconds. Okay, I wanted so to you, really hit them. If you like this show, please subscribe to YouTube and uh, and all those other podcast platforms. Um. Anyway, um. <laughs> oh, you're thanks. you're gonna you're literally gonna pass out when you do that final boss. Anyway, sorry. That's yeah, uh, really. yeah that's good. Um. <laughs> we'll try and do this again next week if we can figure out how to start the show on time and properly. Um, yeah. Anyway, thanks for all joining us, especially all the people in the chat room. We appreciate you guys stopping by. So. Uh, we will see you on Thursday. Current Ottawa Senator and perhaps world champion joining the show. We cool. will see you then. You're watching the Wally and the Thought Show powered by Barhaven Ford, the Wham Live edition. We'll drive on out of here. See you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.